Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support. It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at Real Ghost Stories online.com your support is what keeps our show going plus we'll give you access to all of the past epp bonus episodes of real ghost stories online jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in and exclusively for epps more than 30 full episodes thanks for helping keep real ghost stories online on the air without your support the show couldn't go on sign up now to be an epp extra podcast person on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com and thank you welcome to real ghost stories online call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown, and quite possibly, the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And on today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online, is it possible for a spirit to remain attached to the organs it donated to save another's life? After a tragedy occurs, the new occupants of a deceased family's home find they may not be the only family there. Could the lights of a truck involved in a fatal accident still be driving up and down a winding mountain road? And a young girl so ill that she's on the verge of death is visited by the spirit of a native of a native woman. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Brisky joining you once again. Hi there. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I uh, I think it's interesting, the uh, the first headline there, we were talking about the uh, uh, the donation of organs. Uh-huh. I've always kind of wondered about that. If they're haunted? If you could, like, uh, yeah, end up uh, having a ghost follow you along. I don't know. I wonder how much of your, you know... Energy? Your energy stays with it. I don't know. I always, uh, my fear for a long time, I know this is completely ridiculous and not real whatsoever, um, but uh, my uh, my thought when I when I first got my driver's license when I was 16 was, uh, you get, back then it was like you put the sticker on your driver's license in Wisconsin, that's how it was. You, uh-huh. It wasn't like on the physical license, you had to put a sticker on it saying, hey, I'm an organ donor. Uh-huh. I always was kind of afraid about it, thinking like, well, what if they see that and I'm like not quite dead and I could probably be revived, but they're like, hey, this guy's got some good organs. Did somebody tell you that? I don't know if someone actually told me that or if that was just kind of like one of those things that, you know, people, you know, urban legendish. I don't know. I, I don't like have any specific memory of having that conversation with anyone or them, you know, telling me that. But okay. I mean, something I conjured up in my own mind of going, ah, no, no, but put that sticker on there. That's dumb. It is completely. It's insane. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but when you're 16, you don't really know how everything works and you think, oh, I got some nice, fresh organs right here. (laughs) I could see 16-year-old Tony believing that, but I'm glad grown-up Tony isn't that way. Well, there's a reason. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Wow. No, I mean, it's a good thing to have it on there, but it was one of those things that ran through my mind back then. Am I the only one who had that? I'm sure we're going to get people also saying, hey, I thought that same thing too when I was 16. Did you think that when you were 16? No, I didn't. You weren't at all afraid that someone was going to go, hey, she's got some good uh, kidneys there. That make for some <laughs> good selling on the internets. I was told I could not be an organ donor until I was old enough to make that decision myself. So for the first two years, I was not a re- I didn't have the sticker on my license. Who told you that? Guess who told me that? Your parents? Yes. That's not true. No, that was what they. That was their rule. <clears throat> oh, they're okay. It's not there. It wasn't like they were saying this is the law. This no. was there. Okay. No, and that's not at all how they are anymore. No, but no. that's what the rule was then. Just in case. Just in case. Get some organs, save them in the freezer in case you need them for something later. There you go. Wow. So uh, yeah, there you go. I believe it's a man named Dahmer who did that for a little while. Ugh. But yeah, um, and that was that was one of the bizarre things that entered my mind as a teenager. But uh, not so much anymore. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. We would 
absolutely love to hear it. Lots of good ghost stories, it looks like, uh, for today. So we'll uh, kick it off today with a letter <clears throat> that comes into us from Rob. And Rob writes in, Hey, guys, had the wonderful time of dealing with being the designated driver, I swear. I swear, when I got stuck with these duties, I always think, I wonder if uh, I'm that obnoxious when I drink. One of our buddies was having a bad day and opened up about something that I started to question, but I'll try to explain it all from the beginning. This buddy of uh, mine is Steve, and we call him Mike Jr., or Little Mike, because his older brother's name is Michael, and they look like twins. This show talks about doppelgangers all the time, but nobody could tell them apart. Unless they talked. He told me about all the times in La Cruces, New Mexico, when his older brother would come home injured or end up in the hospital. They were around gangs, and years later, when Michael came to visit, I had the opportunity to hang out with him and let him stay over in my apartment for a week. We had a metal plate, or he had a metal plate in his head after he was shot, but he was a lucky guy. I recall always telling him to quit being around those gangs, but he was actually in a gang because of his family. Now back to Mike Jr. being wasted in my car. He reached that level of intoxication where he wanted to tell everybody about all his problems. One sad thing that I have to mention is his older brother Michael died five years ago. We joked about him being a cat, but eventually he ran out of lives. We'd always hear new stories about him cheating death, so none of us thought that it would actually happen. His death was ruled as being shot by a gang. He was shot multiple times, but then managed to have an open casket funeral. This was when Mike Jr. Stephen told me he was the one who found his brother. He'd spent over an hour trying to revive his brother when it happened while on 911 with his cell phone. The police and paramedics in that area never responded quickly because it's a bad area, and he remembers seeing blood pumping from the gunshot wounds in pulses, so he knew his brother's heart was still beating when he found him. He was in tears. He lost his composure was yelling for his brother to be all right, but by the time the ambulance showed up, his body was cold. His brother was determined DOA dead on arrival, and all of his blood was drained. It was a rough time in his life. All of our buddies were finding excuses to drag him out of the house to get some sunshine and not be depressed. He spent a good six months staying home doing nothing. This was when he found an online friend who was from New Mexico. And I remember them being in constant contact and talking all the time when I went to his place. That friend of his cheered him up, and they'd often talk on the phone. I remember having lunch with Mike Jr. when he would turn the speakerphone feature on, and we all chatted about things. It was always like a conference call when we hung out. Mike Jr. met his friend during a time when he was depressed, and his friend was the opposite because he was just off dialysis. It may have been a long-distance relationship, but they bonded very well, and his friend, I'm pretty sure his name is Charles, seemed to revolve his routine to be around him. When he had Skype, I remember walking in his apartment and finally seeing his friend on camera. They were basically best friends and mailing off presents for birthdays and Christmas. Years down the road, his buddy Charles was moving and said he wanted to be closer. This wasn't a strange thing. Charles was married and just wanted him to meet his wife and kids, so they went to Universal Studios Hollywood and Disneyland a few times. I actually had to drive Mike Jr. there because he never got his driver's license, which was cool, and they totally paid for my tickets to enjoy the theme parks. Charles moved near the area, and one night he came across his organ transplant documents. The kidney he had was donated from Mike Jr.'s brother. None of us even knew his organs were donated. Makes me wonder if his older brother found a way to make sure someone looked after him. Sometimes I think these things happen for a reason. Thanks for reading. Keep up the fun show. And go Brewers. You know, I think everything does happen for a reason. Mm -hmm. And as far-fetched as it sounds, weirder things have happened. Sure. So I could see that being the case. I saw a story in the news not that long ago about a couple that were married. And they actually met because he was the recipient of an organ from her brother. Okay. And he wanted to thank the family in person after he received the organ was well and everything. And, sure. And so they met and they just hit it off from there and they ended mm -hmm. up getting married. So, you know, things happen for a reason. Organ donor love connection. I knew you were going to take it somewhere gross. It's not gross. Organ donor love connection is not gross. 
What do you mean? Like making it like into a website or something? I'm just stating what it was. I thought you were making it like the new eHarmony is organ donor love connection. That could happen. Yeah, I could see you saying that. You donate an organ, we'll introduce you to all the members of this family. <laughs> I could see that. That could be very interesting. Um, no, I mean, I, I agree. I think everything happens for a reason. I, I, I honestly did not know that you got to find out who the organ came from. I don't know if it's that in all cases or mm-hmm. not. I don't know. Maybe you have like the option of like, I'd like to remain anonymous or here's all my information. Mm-hmm. My Facebook page, yeah. You know, I don't know. I have no idea, but uh, very interesting. Yeah, that that's interesting how that all kind of just lined up correctly there. Yeah. In that uh, that situation, our phone number is eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two to share a real ghost story with us. We'd love to hear it. Of course, uh, you can also support our show by becoming an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You sign up on the website at realghoststoriesonline dot com. It's only five bucks a month, or you can sign up for the full year. Just get it out of the way, and uh, you get access to all of our bonus episodes. 34 of them up there right now. Brand new one every single week, and uh, you get access to all those. It's a nice little uh, trade-off for helping to keep us on the air. We give you a little something extra, and like I said, you get the satisfaction of knowing that this show ain't going to die because you're uh, you're helping uh, to keep it uh, keep it going. So check it out on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Tim writes in, hello, Tony and Jenny. Totally love your show. Been listening since December of last year. Well, my story started around February of 2011. One night I had a tough time sleeping in my room, so I decided to sleep on the couch in the living room. Find it easier for me to fall asleep on the couch. I believe it was around 2 in the morning. I remember opening my eyes and I saw a woman with a blue aura surrounding her, standing over me. The woman's hair was flowing everywhere and had a sad expression on her face. The woman extended her hand towards me. I felt threatened, so my reaction was to attack it. I tried to grab her neck. I remember doing it three times, and I couldn't feel a thing. The figure started to run away from me. I started to go after it, and I remember running in the hallway and seeing it going through my mother's bedroom door. I opened the door, turned on my mother's bedroom lights. I scanned the room, and there was no sign of a figure. Woke up, my mother, in a scared voice. I asked her if uh, she had seen anything. My mother said no, she didn't see anything, and I was very puzzled. So I told my mother goodnight and that I loved her. I went back to bed. The next morning, my mother asked me what had happened last night, told her about the figure, and asked my mother again if she had seen her. My mother gave me the same answers as she did that night. After that occurrence, while being in the living room late at night, I got the feeling that something is looking at me. So what do you guys think? Thanks for reading my story. Love your awesome work. Thanks again. Have a great day. I think it's kind of unusual that we have a story where the ghost goes running from the person. The ghost is scared? <laughs> the ghost they're, is scared. They're just as scared of you as you are of them. Uh-huh. It's like the, the saying I always got of animals. <laughs> Until the animal's staring at you and it's foaming at the mouth. and Yeah. It's kind of, you know, trying to drink water near the creek where you play. And it's grabbing fish and devouring them in front of you. I don't know <laughs> a lot about auras. Do you know much about auras and the colors and what they mean? I do not. I don't either. I've gotten charts sent to me. You have? I have not studied them. You should send them to me if you get another one. Okay. Because I wouldn't think blue would be a threatening color the way like red seems to be kind of a threatening color. Sure. So if she had a blue aura around her, I wouldn't find her to be a threatening spirit, especially if she's running the other way from you after you try and joke her. Because so. <laughs> it's more so like in the, the brighter spectrum, mm-hmm. if you will. It's closer to white. Mm-hmm. You always hear the you know, surround yourself in the white aura, so I would think something in that general vicinity would be yeah. good. Um, you know, the the more you go off that, the the worse it may be. I may be totally wrong on that. I just think of red as more hostile than blue. We're gonna find out it means death. Could be and that they're evil and it was trying to to eat her. In yeah. Her sleep. So, but uh, no, I don't know the answer to that. But very interesting. Mm-hmm. You know that just that that was existing there in that story. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number. Ralph writes into our show. Hello, Tony and Jenny. During the early 2000s, my brother had come home to visit for Thanksgiving. He was a United States Marine at the time and was scheduled to deploy to Iraq sometime in January. The year was 2002. He and I were sleeping in the living room on separate couches because all the rooms in our home were taken by other family members. At the time, we were living in Rockingham, North Carolina, at a home that was owned by my aunt and uncle on a chicken farm. Our previous home had just burnt down less than a year ago. The previous family that lived in this home, before my uncle and aunt purchased the land, had all died in a car accident. 
father, mother, two daughters, and a son. All the children were less than 13 years old. Well, anyway, this night, my brother and I were sleeping on the couch. I woke up to my brother buckling around on the couch and hyperventilating, but it seemed as though he couldn't even breathe. Got up, nudged him a few times, and asked, Hey, you okay? What's going on? He woke up with a quick gasp, looked at me like he had just seen a ghost, and said, Yeah, I'm okay. Go back to sleep. He tried not to scare me because I was only about nine, and I went back to sleep without a second thought. I'd later come to find out what had happened to him that night. He said he had woken up in the middle of the night. His body was paralyzed, and only his eyes could move. Looking towards the door that leads to the other bedrooms, he saw two little girls open the door. They were nearly transparent and faintly glowing white. They were mischievous and began to come near my brother. He still couldn't move and was frozen. He said they climbed on top of him and started to jump on him. He couldn't breathe or move. said it lasted for about two to three minutes until I came and, uh, inter and intervened. Another one was when my brother had come back from his tour of duty in Iraq in 2003 and was honorably discharged in 2005. He was a Marine and wasn't really afraid of many things, but he didn't usually sleep in his own room upstairs. He says that ghosts haunted him because of what he had to do in Iraq. He wouldn't talk about it, but I'm sure he had uh, to do what he did in Iraq to survive, and I'm really glad to have him home. A shaman had said that the spirits of those he had killed followed him home and were They pulled the sheets off him at night. He'd hear disembodied voices in a language that sounded like an Arab language. It was only when he was cleansed by the shaman that he was now free of those spirits. The shaman also said that one or two of his spirit guardians had left his body due to the amount of fear and anxiety he'd experienced in Iraq. In our, in our culture, you have a multitude of spirits that represent different aspects of your life or body parts. He was so frightened that these had left his body and were stuck over in Iraq, and so the shaman had to call them back to put them back where they belonged. Nothing much has happened since then. Thanks for reading my stories. I plan on becoming an EPP very soon. Love the podcast. Listen to it even when I sleep. It's like a very addictive drug in a good way. Sorry for the length of the story. I'll shut up now. <laughs> there you go. I would, I would bet that the rest of that family, if the two girls are there, the rest of the family's there too. It sounds like it was more than just, you know, your average sleep paralysis. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it may have been sleep paralysis. This is one of those cases where I wonder if sometimes spirits use existing conditions to make themselves known, like, Oh, we see this person's in a sleep paralysis state. We now basically have the ability to be seen. Yeah. You know, and then they pop up and it's two mischievous little girls. So they're just going to jump around and play, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. I think you were right because you mentioned that a few days or a few mm -hmm. weeks ago where they seem to take that opportunity. Yeah. Using not, not they're not necessarily creating the condition of sleep paralysis mm -hmm. or holding him down. Or whatever the, the condition may be. They're just taking advantage of it. Right. You know, it's like um, someone's lighting a campfire and then they go and take newspaper and throw it into the woods to start a forest fire. The campfire didn't start the forest fire. Sure. The, the you know, it, it, it's just, it's like that. Not that you don't want to start a forest fire. <laughs> but I, I thought of forest fires because we were talking about forest fires the other day. Yeah. Because only you can prevent a forest fire. It was a ghost of Smokey the Bear, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what Whatever. you thought were, was haunting a campground bathroom. <laughs> and watching women go to the bathroom. As <laughs> it really preferred Smokey the Bear. Yeah. Uh, Leslie writes, and it may seem as if a ghost experience uh, may have uh, grown along with me, seeing as I have seen or had paranormal experiences uh, ever since I was a child. Nevertheless, I have one experience that was shared with my mother, whom is very scientific and unbelieving of the paranormal. In this particular occurrence, we were both frightened to the point where we had to call the police. Let me start at the beginning. Three years ago, we had recently bought and moved into a gorgeous house. My parents thought it was a steal, seeing as it was a foreclosure, and it was in great shape. After we'd unpacked and actually settled in, we decided the next day that it was a great night to celebrate by going out to eat. As soon as my father arrived from work, which was at 8 p.m., then my mother and I were getting ready. My mother was in the upstairs bathroom doing her hair, and I was in my room right next to her bathroom. I could clearly hear my little sister watching TV in her room across the hall, and my mother humming in the bathroom. Our small chihuahua was lying down in the hall between the bathroom and my room. 
At this point, we all heard what seemed to be our dog downstairs in the kitchen barking and whining, as she would do when she wanted to go upstairs. My mother called to tell me to something to bring the dog up. As I stood up, leaving the room, I saw my dog stand up from her lying position and scurry down the hall into my mom's room. I proceeded to tell my mom that the dog had gone upstairs by herself, when again, we hear the crying of a dog downstairs. I ran into the bathroom with my mom and asked her if she heard that. As soon as I did, we both hear a man's whistling coming from downstairs. We get close to each other, and my mom whispers to me, pointing towards the staircase right across the open bathroom door. You're hearing that too, right? As I nodded, we both ran to my little sister's room, where she was still watching TV. Our dog soon followed. Then my mother calmed down and said it was probably our dad getting home from work early, seeing as it was barely 7 p.m. We decided to call him to make sure and to be on the safe side. He told us he was still at the office. At that point, we were hearing running downstairs as if someone was having a race across the living room and dining room. My sister, oblivious to the scene unfolding before her, gets up, heads downstairs. We stopped her and immediately called the police. We told them that we think there are intruders in our home. Once they get there, they searched all over the house to make sure all entryways in the house are secure and tell us it seemed to be that there was no one inside, so they left. To this day, my mother and I have no explanation as to what had happened that night. I think something's there, but as far as who or why or what, it's hard to know. Rakens. I think raccoons are in the house. Rakens. I got nothing. I, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, you do. If it was an animal, you'd probably have more of a, a semblance of disorder. Mm-hmm. You know, there'd be stuff out of place, and you know, maybe some droppings or something of that nature. Um, so yeah, probably not rakens. But uh, yeah, I, I I think there was probably something paranormal going on there, especially if there's no signs of like you know forced entry or nothing's missing or any of that. Yeah. You know? It makes you wonder if it's the person that had the home previously or if it was a situation where they had the home, somebody did, and for whatever reason it was haunted and they just like up and left it and that's why it went into foreclosure. Like maybe this played into it? Makes you wonder if it's, you know, before or after. Sure. Which, yeah, which one came first? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting thought. Yeah. Very interesting story. Thank you for, uh, for writing that in. Our phone number is 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. We would love to hear it. Let's go to uh, Jennifer in Idaho. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Jennifer from Indiana, and this is my first time calling in. Um, I just heard on your podcast a girl from Ohio who was telling a story about her grandfather um, and a Celine Dion song playing, and she mentioned the date March 10th, and I had been thinking about calling in, but I just hadn't. And when I heard that, I thought it was funny because it's my birthday. So I thought maybe that was some type of sign. So here's my story. Uh, My father, who passed away in November, um, there's a lot of interesting things that have happened around that. And um, because of your podcast, it's made me put those things in order in my mind and try to figure them out. So it started with um, his battle with cancer the last few years. And he was going through chemo and radiation and different types of cancers. And he was so positive and optimistic about it. And he was always so strong for the family. I am one of six, so I have a larger family, and I'm one of the younger ones. I'm uh, 33, and um, it seemed like I had to be strong for them. And uh, so when everyone else was negative about, oh, no, you know, something's going to happen to him, I, I was the one that was always trying to be the positive one because I knew that's what he wanted. Well, the call came in that they had put him back in the hospital, and so he chose to go to a hospital closer to his home, which surprised us because the one that was like an hour away was a better hospital, but he was having some complications um, with the chemo, the latest dose, and he had some other um, elements and issues related to the radiation he had had a few years prior and the chemo, so um, we were all able to go up and visit him. And I went during the day, um, so I took my youngest, who was three, with me. The older two children were at school, so unfortunately they couldn't join my husband and I. Um, but everybody was able to, you know, visit him more, and which was nice. 
and he seemed pretty optimistic and positive, but the last few days I could tell were really hard on his body. Um, he had been in uh, the hospital a few months before that for a week or so, and he was talking about how he saw um, his father, my grandfather, who had been gone for about 10 years, and he kept saying he was seeing him in his sleep, talking to him and telling him things would be okay. So um, what was strange was when um, I got home that night, I, I was glad that we were able to visit. I kind of felt bad my older two wasn't able to make it. Um, the next morning, around 4.35 o'clock, um, he passed away. I had gotten up at 5, and I got a phone call from my sister about a quarter after 5, and she told me, and the phone chain started because our family is so big to let everybody know. Um, we went up to the hospital and was with his wife, my stepmother, and uh, over the next few days, I had to make um, arrangements for him and uh, try to be the stronger one, and I was with his, his wife, and... Um, the day before the viewing, all my siblings wanted to get together and go see him um, before everyone else saw him. Just one final goodbye from all of us. And so I was standing there with the um, with the funeral director, and I'd spent quite a bit of time planning everything. Um, so we were just chatting, and we're standing by my father's casket, and um, my siblings were gathered around talking, talking about memories of, of my dad. And both lights next to my father's casket went off for a second and came back on. And I thought it was just maybe a timing issue. And I look over at the funeral director, and I'm like, oh, I think you have a lighting problem or something. And he looked very startled, like he, he didn't know why it did that. And I thought, huh, that's, that's strange. So we, uh, and over the next few weeks, I just... I just felt like there were so many things. He wasn't quite ready to go, you know, that I wanted to tell him. And his body was ready, but I think his mind, we were making plans for the future and what we wanted to do over the summer. And he, um, I just felt like he wasn't ready to go. Well, I I just said out loud, you know, I was by myself and I was thinking about it. And I was like, gosh, I just wish I could see you just one more time. And, and I haven't. Um, but I was downstairs the next morning after that little conversation with myself and uh, in the kitchen before the kids went off to school making their lunches and my daughter comes downstairs and it, it's about six in the morning and she comes downstairs and she, she just looks different, like she just looks distraught. And uh, I was like, hey, good morning. And she just looked at me and she just looked really pale. And I said, are you feeling okay? And she said, I was just laying in bed and, um, I just saw Grandpa outside my bedroom door. He he looked into my room, and then he was gone. And I was like, are you sure? Were you dreaming? I was kind of, you know, I didn't want to tell her that she didn't see it, but I wanted to be the logic. Um, but I could tell that she had definitely, and she's seen things before. And um, she told me, you know, she said he looked in, and he looked at me, and I was sitting up in bed, and then he was gone. And I thought, well, that's really strange, you know. And I thought, well, maybe... Maybe that could happen. You know, my mother and my grandmother both have seen strange things and had dreams, and um, which that's another story. But um, so then she went to get in the shower, and I went to get my eight-year-old son up, and he comes downstairs, and it's about 6:30 now, and he's in the kitchen making his breakfast, and he's um, at the counter, and he turns around to the sink, and he lets out the scream, and I'm in two rooms away but I hear the scream and I run in because I'm thinking something happened and he said he was getting his food and he turns around and there's a guy standing right there at you know he comes up right above his belt and he said the guy was in blue jeans and wearing a t-shirt and he was too startled to look up but the guy was gone within you know a few seconds and he didn't know about my daughter's situation because she was in the shower um they didn't even see each other that morning because I wake them up at different times and uh he he was so so startled that you know he was you know just so pale and i just thought well you know what's strange is that the layout of our house our house was built in 1903 it's an old farmhouse out in the country um the directly upstairs from the kitchen is my daughter's bedroom like where the, her doorway would be and it's just so strange um it's a a roomy house so for that situation to happen half an hour apart on two different levels but the same area of the house I don't know if it was him um, but I wondered if because the way he went he went 
before they could really say goodbye that last time, those were the only two um, that in our family that couldn't say goodbye to him if that was something where he was just coming back to say goodbye to them. Um, because it, it just it really made me wonder. Um, I haven't seen him. I feel his presence, but I think that's just because I miss him so much. Um, but we do have other situations in our family. Um, my brother experiencing things involving my dad passing. Um, but I just wanted to share my story. And um, thank you so much for your show. It really helps you step back and just think of the big picture of what happens to people um, and question things, which people should question life and where you go afterwards. And uh, you've been such a big help. Thank you so much for your show. Bye-bye. Thank you for calling and uh, and sharing your story with us. We really do appreciate that. I think it makes, t- yeah, I, I think he was coming back and, and saying uh, goodbye. It's interesting that um, it was only seen by the kids. Yeah. You know, but I guess maybe he, he felt at, at peace with, you know, how he left it with the daughters and everybody else and thought, well, if I'm going to be able to use this energy here to do this, I'm going to go to people who I, I feel like there's some unfinished business with maybe. Well, sure. And both of the kids seeing something the same day, yeah. but not having spoken, you know, been had the chance to even talk about it to each other. Mm-hmm. It tells me he was there just to say goodbye. Just to say goodbye and, and do one last let's freak the shit out of the grandkids. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I would do. I like, know that's what you would do. Like, how can I just scar them just a little bit just so they always remembered me no matter what? Except the thing is you would peek <laughs> into their room and you would go boo or something really scary and then go. I'd make a farm animal noise. Be like, there's a ghost cow in my room. No, it's just, it's just grandpa. Yeah. Making goat noises and cow noises. <laughs> They'll know it's you by the farmyard noises. That'd be funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, just constantly you go around the house and you just emulate barnyard animals. And mm-hmm. they think it's like a cat over here and there's a goat over here and a sheep over there. And <laughs> great fun. And then that would be the most confusing haunting because you'd be like, well, what? It just seems like it's animals. I don't, I don't get anything else. I'm not hearing like people talking or anything. Just animal noises. And if you can like emulate the footprints or something. <laughs> oh, that'll be great, because then the grandkids will think Goatman's there to terrorize them. <laughs> no, it's just Grandpa having a good old time. Wow. That's all. That's all. And when they find this podcast years later, they're like, oh, that's what's going on. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you had a good laugh, because <laughs> I sure did. Uh, 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Caitlin writes in, Hi, I've been meaning to write in and tell you a few experiences that I've had. This happened about 10 years ago when I was 12 or 13. We moved uh, to a tiny town named Paint Creek. This town, and I'm not exaggerating, consisted of five houses, a football field, and a school. What do you need a football field with a town with five houses? It must be in Texas. That's all I can say. <laughs> Each team have like, what, three people on it or so? <laughs> I it's don't just know. Like, you know, he's, I don't know. You're not a town unless you have a football field. Play against the local neighborhood pets or something? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, my dad got a job of a principal at the school, and the school system provided a house for our family to live in. It was directly behind the school. Three strange things began to happen in our move-in. Uh, there were too many things to tell one by one. I've never been a believer in ghosts. Until this house, one instance that stands out in my mind was this. One night after I had uh, snuck into my parents' bed like I did every night because I was terrified to sleep by myself, I was lying there. Both of my parents were asleep. The only other person in the house at the time was my older brother, who I also knew had gone to bed early that night and was uh, positive he was still in his room. It was about 1 a.m. and I had been lying there a few minutes when I heard the TV switch on in the living room. I can see the light from it shine under the door as well as my parents' room door open in the living room. I heard someone jumping around almost as if doing jumping jacks and running around the room very quickly. I lie there frozen in bed, not sure what to do. After about 30 seconds, the TV switched off and it was dead silent. I did not even hear retreating footsteps. Things like that happen all the time in that house to every member of my family. My mother also let me know the same thing had happened to her once in the morning when she was alone in the house. I have several more of these stories, all occurring in the same house. After about a year and a half, my father switched jobs and we moved, thank goodness, 
Never again have I encountered a house with that kind of energy. Also, about six months ago, I was talking to my father, and he had run into a lady who had gotten the principal job right after he left. And they also moved into that house. She swore it was haunted, as well as they moved out not long after. Thanks for letting me share. I enjoyed the show. I'll try to write in with some of the other things my family has experienced there. It's a nice thought that you take a job and there's a house included Mm -hmm. until you realize it's haunted. There's a reason the house is included. Yeah. It's interesting with a school that you get a house. That's common like with churches and Mm -hmm. stuff. You know, you get the house with it or whatnot. But uh, interesting. Maybe it was a real... um, It sounds like, you know, with such a small school, it was kind of like a... I don't know a nice word to say. You know, it was kind of an incentive to help get somebody into that position. Yeah, I mean, especially if you have a very small school, there's probably not the hugest budgets for a Mm principal-type position or whatever the position may be. And it may be one of those, hey, uh, here's a salary, and uh, an incentive is the house, you know. Right. So you can kind of make it, you know, worth it as a nice little bonus there. But I don't know if it's haunted. No. That's uh, very interesting. Thank you for... uh, for sharing that story with us. Justin writes in, hello, my name's Justin. I'm from Corbin, Kentucky. First off, let me tell you how much I love the show. Been listening since uh, the start, and I am a very proud EPP member. Thank you, Justin. I, it really helps uh, to get through a long, boring day at work. I do have a big interest in the paranormal, but I've never had my own experience. And by listening to the stories of some people who have written into the podcast, I'm not sure I want to, anyways. Tony and Jenny, you're awesome at what you do. Tony, I love your sarcasm, and it's good to hear Jenny try to keep you straight. The story is not my own, but it is a ghost urban legend from my area. I hope to hear it on the show, and keep doing what you're doing. God bless. It's called the Phantom Trucker of Bugger, but it's spelled like Booger. Bugger Mountain. Okay, Bugger Mountain. Okay, Bugger Mountain. I'm sure all the kids there call it Booger Mountain. Well, it's sure the way it's spelled. Yeah. <laughs> Between uh, Barbelville and uh, Corbin, Kentucky, this haunting originates back in the 1950s when the only road between uh, Barbelville and Corbin, Kentucky was a narrow, winding, dangerous road over Gillum Hill, known locally today as Bugger Mountain because of some terrible things that uh, happened there years ago. Supposedly during the 1950s, it was from Barbelville, to Corbin. It was over the mountains uh, via Highway 25 on the downward slope, and the road gets a bit curvy and dangerous. A truck driver was coming down the mountain in his rig one night. Whether he lost his brakes or was just plain going too fast, it's unknown. Regardless, he lost control of his 18-wheeler and went over the edge and down the side of the mountain. He died in the crash. It's said that on certain Saturday evenings, if you're traveling up Bugger Mountain, You'll see what appears to be a truck headlight coming at you or coming up fast behind you in your rearview mirror. It's like dual. Yeah. No matter how hard you try to evade the lights, they seem to turn right towards you. Then at the last minute, just when you feel you're about to crash, the lights will suddenly swerve away and go over the side and down the hill. Others have seen a hovering light on the road and moving along the road, which appears to have a dark shadow of a person inside of it. Another possible reason... People feel that Bugger Mountain has haunted our rumors that years ago a serial killer was on the rampage in the area. He targeted young, red-headed girls. One or more of his victims were found in a nasty stretch of road. You may get the feeling that someone is watching you as you make your way over the mountain into the darkness. If your hair stands on end, you get an eerie feeling. Be sure that the it is the ghost of Bugger Mountain. No matter what the cause, it is certain that uh, Bugger Road is one of the scariest nighttime passages around. And as the saying goes, don't follow the lights. Do you think it's a residual haunting? Uh, yeah, I could see it being that. Mm-hmm. Just if it's in the exact same spot every time. Yeah. Um. I mean, it seems a little malicious if it's like trying to drive people off the road unless it's just repeating the pattern and that happens to be where the pattern was. And that's what I'm thinking. And depending on which direction you're going, whether or not it's coming up behind you or coming at you. Yeah. Maybe the, the, the question to answer is where does this happen and is it always in the exact same spot? But the way it doesn't cause people to actually crash, it just makes them think they're going to crash before it goes off the mountain makes me think possibly residual. It would cause me to crash. I know. I'd be swerving. I know. And then I'd be the next ghost. Yeah. Of Booger Hill. (laughs) (laughs) 855-853-4802. 
is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Thanks for supporting the show. Subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, whatever the case may be, press that subscribe button. That helps us out quite a bit. And you get the episode sent directly to you as soon as they are released. So check that out. Wendy writes in, first off, I'm an EPP and I love what you do. The platform you give people to share is worth more than the $5. Well, more because I'm Canadian. So thank you. I've written in before about uh, being an empath with my story of my cousin who used to see ghosts as a child, but this is about the time I was so sick with mono that I was put in the hospital. I was 14, I'm 33 now, I got mono, and no, Tony, it wasn't from kissing anyone. I was sick for a total of three months, went from being 86 pounds to 75, then 65, and even though I'm five feet tall, that is still super gross skinny. The doctors told my parents that if I don't eat more food soon, they would have to put in a feeding tube. It's not that I didn't want to eat, but that I could not eat. I was sick with strep, strep throat, pneumonia, cracked rib from coughing, and many other things. At one point, I was sleeping almost 23 hours a day and looked like I was dying. My older brother or dad would have to carry me around the house because I couldn't walk by myself. My mom was scared and wanted to take me to the hospital, but had to wait until my dad got home from work because she couldn't drive. While waiting, I was sleeping in my bed and for the first time thought I was in serious trouble. Something just didn't feel right. When I opened my eyes, I saw a woman in Native American clothing, I'm half native by the way, looking down at me with sad eyes. She said, you need to wake up or you're going to die today, and it's not your time, and touched my shoulder and smiled grimly. It was at that point I jumped and woke up, called for my mom. She called my dad to come home right away, and he did. I was rushed to the hospital with a 104-degree temperature fever. and was so frail that... I would have died within the hour if I wasn't there. So who was this lady? I don't know, but I thank her time. I thank her time to time and smile. I've had another brush with death at 16 when I was in a car crash and was knocked out, but I saw the crash from above the car. That's a story for another time, as this one was long enough. Thank you. I wonder if maybe she was an ancestor. It was a lady from Touched by an Angel. No. I wonder if she was an ancestor because Wendy said she's half native herself. I could see that. I mean, kind of we talked about, um, you know, spirits following people mm -hmm. and such. I could see that being possibly the case. I mean, especially like not only spirits following people, but like family members, you know, previous generations right. is what I'm meaning to say that end up being kind of your guides or guards or guardian angels or whatever. And maybe somebody you haven't even you know, had the chance to meet because yeah. they may have died be long before you were born. But I'm wondering if there isn't a, a relationship there. I could see that. That would make sense. And and it was definitive enough for her to go, oh, okay. Did you ever have mono? No. Have you? Oh, it's awful. Yeah, I had it. And I had it when I was, I was out of high school. I think I was 19 when I had it, which was kind of, kind of up there because usually you have it teens. Yeah. And I had bed rest for like three months. It's it's a uh, describe it for me because I don't know. I know it's a bad well, sickness. It started but. out feeling like a cold, but it just never went away. And I was really really tired all the time. So mm -hmm. they went, and um, I had to go in a couple of times because the doctor checked for it, and initially it came back negative, and then they checked for it again, mm -hmm. and it was positive. So it's it attacks your immune system, makes it real easy for you to catch things, and makes you really really weak. And if mm -hmm. you don't take it easy and let your body heal you can i think it's your spleen that can rupture because of it Jeez. it's yeah it's nasty stuff it's been so long since i had it i can't really remember what all the effects are but i didn't lose weight during that three months i gained weight because i was still able to keep my appetite but yeah. no you couldn't moving. move yeah. Yeah. yeah so it was it was rough it was just awful i've had stereo and I've had Dolby 5.1 surround sound. That's great. And that's the corny joke of the day, everyone. There you go. Ba bum I wish I had like that little horrible sound effect. 12 people got that. Oh, I, more people got that. They just all <laughs> moaned at the same time. Everyone, okay. everyone got it. They're just like, uh, read another ghost story. Okay. Well, actually, we'll go to a caller uh, for another ghost story. By the way, phone number 855-853-4802. If you're a new listener to the show and would like to uh, share your ghost story with us, Glenn in Kentucky. Hi, Glenn. How you guys doing today? Uh, it's Glenn from Mountain Florence, Kentucky. Um, today I have a story from my mother-in-law. Uh, she's always been like 
I guess you can I guess you can say connected to the other side. I do believe, because um, we'll get like random times we'll be out running around, you know, in the town, uh, getting you know stuff done, you know, paying bills and stuff like that. And Sean might call us and say, "Hey, uh, wherever you guys are at, you know, my wife will like, you know, we're here, near the mall or something like that." So those well, um, <clears throat> I just had a permission that a premonition that something bad's gonna happen. Uh, you guys need to get home quick. And usually, nine out of ten times, something usually in the, ends up happening in the general vicinity that we were just in. Um, and it's just not. That's just really weird. Like my wife's the same way. She'll like say that you. She'll get a really bad feeling, and then like she'll either get a flash of something or you know just little hints of something throughout the day. And we'll end up either staying home you know, the rest of the night or they blow off, you know, and nothing gonna happen. But usually my mother-in-law calls us and we're out somewhere. We end up, you know, pulling over somewhere for a little bit and going right or we go home. Um, other than that, like, um, the house she lives in right now, um, she got it from my, her husband's grandparents, her uh, husband's grandparents. Um, they were more like parents to him because they they, didn't, they couldn't take care of themselves anymore. And um, by the time that they moved in with my my wife, um, his grandmother was passing away. She had uh, I think cancer or some uh, I think terminally ill cancer. And um, he or his grandfather was okay. We, they were just at the age that they could no longer help themselves or assist themselves. Um, so they moved in to help them, and for that, he promised them the house. Well, when we lived there, I think it was like last year we lived there, it's just really weird feelings you get there. Like, we were, because uh, we stayed down in the basement. The basement's like fully finished and all that. Uh, we were just living down there, and like 2 o'clock in the morning, you can hear people walking upstairs. You can hear the, I don't know if it's just because the old house, but you hear somebody go from the room that they're staying in now, it used to be their grandparents. Well, his grandmother passed away in the house and um the they had a daughter that committed suicide um and i think i don't know if it was in the house or or the hospital but she did commit suicide and since him being catholic that's the worst thing you can do is commit suicide it's like a one-way ticket to hell automatically well it's just weird things that go on there like you can come up to hell you can come upstairs his grandfather used to smoke cigars. He's now deceased. He had an accident on the way down to Cumberland Falls uh, five years ago, and they ended up having a massive heart attack um, going in air care to the hospital from his accident. Well, they've, they've smelled cigar smoke in the living room. Uh, they've also smelled her perfume in the living room as well. Uh, they've also smelled cigar smoke in their bedroom. It's just like really like random, random little smells that you get around the house that you can go like smell them and go, that smells like either, either like uh, lilac or that smells like cigar smoke. And you can automatically point out what kind of cigar it was. He liked to smoke those really long cigars that you can get from Tennessee down the Smoky Mountains. And he would, he, he would usually get them and smoke them from uh, Tennessee back up to Kentucky or Florence, Kentucky. And he would be smoking in the house. Well, she was telling me a while back that she had a dream um, that she was in Tennessee, his favorite place to go after his wife passed away from uh, her illness. Um, she said she had a dream. She was It was, like, really hazy, but she came out to the living room. She sat down in a chair, and she saw her grandmother, or um, her um, her husband's grandmother, in the chair on her left and she was around really like surrounding her was a beautiful like light you can see uh, you can see her whole facial features and all that stuff it's just a really beautiful light and on her um, on the other side was her, her husband's grandfather and he was in a really beautiful light and you can see everything about else but she said the one thing that scared her the most about the whole thing it was really she said it was really peaceful up to that moment um, she said, but until she's seen their daughter, um, like I said, she passed, she committed suicide. She was very heavy into, uh, um, drugs and stuff like that. More, you know, morphine, heroin and stuff like that. Well, she used to pop pills really bad and she ended up going to the hospital. I believe that she got, she either died of an overdose somewhere in between the hospital or her home. But 
she said she would look she looked around and there was her there was her daughter uh her grandfather and grandmother's daughter but she said the light around here was very dark you can hardly see her and her face was all staticky there was no face to it and she said it kind of really scared her because she was wondering if the two lights the brighter lights meet in heaven and she said because the dark light was really really dark and you can hardly see anything from her but she was wondering if it was a difference between heaven and hell because she said when she was looking at her uh, her two grandparents were on, on both sides of her and then the, uh, the outline of the body was very beautiful um, but straight ahead she was her the daughter was standing next to a fireplace and all you could see was black and the fire was going and if it, she said it seemed like the fire was feeding off of um the young lady that, that you know committed suicide she said but the only thing you actually see the facial features was just static there's no face being that she is you know catholic i'm wondering if that's you know the meaning of her going to hell it really kind of freaked my my uh, mother in law, but um, I really like it. I really enjoy your guys' uh, show. I've been listening to it a while now. Um, I'm listening to the newest episode right now. Uh, it's going to help me get through this nine and a half hour day or work day. Uh, but please keep up the shows. You guys do a hell of a job. Have a good day. Bye. Really sad and disturbing if you were concerned about that and you're wondering, you know, how'd this person end up? Where did they end up? And then you got the happy, you know, bright lights and then, oh, look at that. Yeah, it it's hard to know if that's what that means because mm-hmm. if, that's, if that's what we're going to go with, mm-hmm. then that makes the assumption that all shadow people are... Sure. Bad and then hell, which I don't believe which, which that I they're all bad. Yeah, I don't believe. I mean, it, it really, it kind of goes back to kind of what your own you know belief system is. Yeah. But the thing is, we've heard so many stories, and and you know, I, our belief system, I think, on a lot of this is just based on all the evidence and stories that we get. Like, and I'm constantly like having to revise my belief system of like what is what, just because of the evidence that we hear and see. Yeah. You know, on a consistent basis. So I don't believe all shadow people are from hell or evil or dark. I just think it's another way that some entities make themselves known. But that could tie in with his belief system. And, sure. you know, that may be the, the case in this situation. Yeah, it could be. It, Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where there is no right or wrong answer. No. But uh, I, I, I personally would, would not say for sure that it necessarily means bad. Right. Just based on, on our knowledge on the show. So that's our opinion. Uh, if you like the show, please keep us on the air. Uh, sign up to be an EPP, Extra Podcast Person, on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Five bucks a month. Or sign up for the full year. It's 60 bucks, and you get uh, all those bonus episodes and a brand new one every single week. Check it out, realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.